Hey podcast, welcome to episode 86 of the Yours Truly podcast, Claire Tuning, your non-diet registered dietitian, food pun loving, PB&J eating gal here coming at you for our 86th episode. We're inching closer to 100 every episode after the next because that is how math works. Maybe I'll have to make an exciting, I don't know, like a cake or a celebration for episode 100. Maybe we'll still be in quarantine at that point. Who's to say what might happen? But I'm really, really happy and grateful that you are joining me for today's episode of the Yours Truly podcast. I'm actually recording this intro about a week and a half before this episode will release. This whole shelter-in-place, stay-at-home situation has me a little bit ahead on all of my responsibilities. So as of now, the day I am recording this, the final day of March, we here in Virginia, where I lived, we have received the shelter in place, stay at home notice. So wherever you are, whatever state, country you are in, I think it is safe to say we are all feeling the effects of what is going on, how this virus is kind of controlling our world, so to speak now. So really from my home office and recording studio to yours. I hope you are staying safe. You are staying home. If you are able, if your job allows, you are donating, you are showing up for your community as much as you are able and that you and yours are staying safe and healthy and focusing on what you can control rather than what we can't control. Because I think it is fair to say there is a lot of stuff out there that is outside of our control, but really focusing on those things day to day that will bring you nourishment, self-care, any peace of mind that you can. I, I think it is safe to say that that is a helpful frame of mind to be in and a helpful thing to focus on. So again, sending all of my care, compassion from this home (laughs) to yours. I actually... I'm looking around here at a a different setting than I typically am if my sound... Excuse me. (laughs) If my sound... I'm drinking a seltzer water at the same time, which like... I should have learned by now that is not a good mix when you're going to be speaking. So I apologize for my burp on on camera, on show, but we ain't gonna stop now. But I'm looking around, like I said, at a different setting than I typically am. I actually have traveled south. My, My family owns some property in the literal middle of nowhere here in Virginia. So my partner and I, Aiden, we are are here. We are still social distancing. We are uh, keeping our space, our distance for the health and safety of us and others, but we had the opportunity to come and have a little bit more space and outdoor air. I think anyone who lives in a city like we do right now where we have about 600 square feet of space in our home. It feels really nice and I feel very grateful to have the opportunity to be in a setting and in a home now for the foreseeable future. I don't really know how long we will be here, but we just have a little bit more space and some more open blue sky outdoor area to be in while again still keeping our distance from society at large. So again, I hope you are well wherever you are. Maybe you're finding some hobbies, activities, whatever you might be doing to fill your time in this quarantine. And I think it's always a really positive reminder as well to know that you don't have to be quote unquote productive for all or any hours of the day. I think a a really common theme that I have been seeing in a lot of my client check-ins and and calls and conversations with friends and family members and individuals is really that the thing that we're all working to do right now is focusing on finding our new normal. And it makes sense if we are at home that our normal is going to be quite different than it might be in our typical day-to-day life. So again, have compassion with yourself. Know that it is okay to move 
less right now. It is okay to sleep in if your job or situation allows you to do that. It is okay to do less, to take a step back and to really focus on taking care of of you and others and really focusing and prioritizing what is important versus, you know, what can maybe wait a while until things go back to, to quote unquote normal. So again, my very long-winded five-minute, 21-second way of saying uh, take care of yourself and have compassion. I think now more than ever is a really beautiful time to practice all of those principles that I know we focus on quite a lot here in the Yours Truly community. So before I ramble my head off for the rest of our intro, I do want to feature a post from our Yours Truly Goal Slayer Facebook community. This post is from a brand new member to our community and she is contributing to our stress less challenge that we are running in this community for the remainder of March. Well, I guess there's one day left of that now up until I believe our end date is either April 14th or 17th. So really The idea of this challenge is to bring some ideas, some connection over how our community members are managing stress or taking care of themselves, all of these things that I have been talking about so far in this intro, and maybe getting some ideas, some inspiration from each other on ways that we can slow down and find ways to connect and simply be throughout this time. So this member writes, my stress less entry colon, making colorful food. I was supposed to be studying abroad in the south of France this semester, but had to be sent home two weeks ago. One of the things I've missed most is just throwing my favorite veggies together in olive oil and with pasta. It's fun to cook for myself, enjoy the meal, and then have leftovers for the next time I'm hungry. Feeling like I'm a little bit more connected to my study abroad experience this morning. Bone appetit, or as I like to say, bone apple teeth. So I want to give a big shout out and thank you to this goal slayer for posting her stress less entry. She also has a beautiful photo here of her pasta in a bowl to give you the true visual podcast listeners. They are elbow noodles or macaroni. Is there a difference between those or is it elbow macaroni? I don't know. It kind of looks like the macaroni and cheese noodles, but she has it in some olive oil and some different veggies topped with some Parmesan cheese. It looks scrumptious. To be honest, I'm getting a little hungry just looking at this. So if you are hearing me talk about this community, you want to tap into a virtual group that is so supportive and encouraging and positive and we're really talking about ways to manage stress, to step away from the diet culture mentality in the midst of a pandemic, not to mention that I'm going live daily, um, weekdays at least in this community to just chat offer a space for connection. Sometimes I do tips, sometimes I tell stories. So really, if you are looking for a place to interact and feel a little bit less distanced from humans when we we still have to keep our physical distance, and I would really invite you to come and join us. So there are two ways you can go about doing so. One is visit my bio on Instagram. Click the link that will take you to our Facebook community application. Fill that out, and I will be in contact with you on how to join from there. Second way that you can join is simply type yours truly goal slayers on Facebook. It will come up as a community, hit request to join, and then I will send you the application from there. So if you take that route, please be sure to keep an eye on your message inbox so you don't miss that memo from me. But please come hang out. We're a fun bunch. We would love to have you. So without further ado, I am so excited to bring you an episode that is kind of 
part two to an episode I did a couple of weeks ago with Gina and Nicole from Dietitian's Dish. If you missed that episode, be sure to travel back. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but we were talking about raising intuitive eaters or, you know, how do we introduce this idea of intuitive eating to our children and actually how do we learn from our children how to be strong and confident and easeful intuitive eaters. So (coughs) joking on my own spit guys. So I really did not want to allow that to be the only episode that covered this topic because I get tons of questions about it and I not being a parent myself, I can give thoughts and ideas, but I really love to bring in the experts, AKA the moms of the intuitive eating dietitian community to share their expertise and their personal experience with all of you. So again, check out the episode. It was probably about four or five or six episodes ago with Gina and Nicole. If you missed it, that was Raising Intuitive Eaters part one. And now we are going into part two with Brooke and Alyssa Miller from the Diet Riot podcast. I love the rhyme. These ladies are so much fun to connect with. They bring so much joy and knowledge as well into conversation. So to give you a little bit of an insight as to who these two individuals are, Brooke and, and Alyssa Miller are both intuitive eating registered dietitians. They love people, hate diets, and can't stop talking, so they started a podcast, Diet Riot. They put out new episodes every Tuesday, and you can expect candid conversations between friends and dietitians chatting all about diet culture, intuitive eating, and everything else that might pop into their brain. They also recently launched an online self-paced audio course called Quit Dieting, a diet rider's guide to intuitive eating, where they help women get from where they they are now, there we go, to a life of food freedom. They're both married with a little family and loving life in Colorado, and no, they are not related. (laughs) So that is the first question that I feel like they get. Brooke and Alyssa Miller, are you sisters, sister-in-laws? But no, my friends, they are not related, but they definitely can relate See what I did there? On a lot of topics. So I'm so excited to bring you this episode with them today, focused all on raising intuitive eaters and all that goes into that. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Brooke and Alyssa Miller from the Diet Riot podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Yours Truly podcast. I'm sitting here again with not one, but two incredible guests, Brooke and Alyssa Miller. They're both Millers. They both podcast. They're both dietitians. You might be saying, Claire, are you hallucinating? Are they the same person? No, (laughs) they're definitely two different individuals, but um, welcome to the show. I'm super happy to have both of you today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, both Millers, it can get quite confusing. And our voice sounds similar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we're both from the Midwest, so we've got like a Midwestern twang. So. Yeah, it's wow. <laughs> There's are there are a lot of similarities there. And maybe before, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Before we dive into this or that, can you maybe each just say your name? I'll have you introduce yourself here in a moment, but I want people to be able to discern who is answering what questions. So maybe just like say your name so people get your voice here. <laughs> I'm Alyssa Miller and I sound like this. I'm Brooke Miller and I sound like this. <laughs> Okay, now that I'm listening to both of your voices back to back, I will say that there is a little bit of a similarity. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. And when I edit our podcast on like one and a half speed, I edit it and I'm like, literally have no idea who just said that quote. <laughs> like, That's was fine. that me? Was that her? Yes. Who was that? <laughs> literally, me, me, myself don't know who it is. And then my husband as well is like, did you say that? That was really funny. Or was that Brooke? That's pretty bad. So. <laughs> I love love everyone. (laughs) Good luck, everyone. And here is this or that, the little game show segment that we throw in at the beginning. So we are nearing the change of a season, at least when we are recording this. This will probably be released when spring is in full-fledged, but I'd love to know, uh, spring or fall, what do you prefer? I think fall. Fall, absolutely. uh, But okay, here's the thing. (laughs) I like spring snowboarding. So that's hard. Yeah, I'm like hardcore fall, just all in. You're just, just so basic. I'm so basic, you guys. <laughs> I love the fall so much. And Colorado only gets like a month of fall, so I like soak it, it is all true. up. Yeah. yeah. The 
fall here is is so incredibly beautiful. We took a, like a family vacation to the mountains um, near Breckenridge last fall, and we got like the most beautiful pictures in the aspen trees. So the aspens like light up like they're on yes. fire. It's really cool. So it is pretty amazing. But so fall, she's fall. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say mostly fall, but but spring uh, snowboarding is pretty awesome here. Yeah. If I had to answer that question for myself, I would definitely say fall, I think. I don't know. I love both, but I, yeah. I love fall especially, but I'm thinking in Colorado, both of those seasons have to be really beautiful um, and sure. might lend themselves well to snowboarding, especially in the spring, if you're into that. I'm not a not a snowboarder. I ski and about all I know is pizza french fry. I've done it. <laughs> so I don't yeah, think I'm going to move. So you're a pro. You're, I'm a pro. You can do some much. double blacks here. <laughs> yep. It's like dietitian by day, professional skier by night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so second question. So I know, I believe it's Alyssa, you like to give me a little bit of a hard time when it comes to my opinions towards avocados. Um, so I, <laughs> they're very <laughs> strong opinions, um, but I have to throw in an avocado question here. So <laughs> nut butter toast or avocado toast? Avocado, avocado toast. <laughs> I had it for breakfast. <laughs> so that was there. my breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Actually, me as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Almost every And day. especially if you put the Trader Joe's everything but the bagel seasoning on top of the avocado so toast. And then bacon on top of that. Now, let's be clear. Yeah. Nut butter toast is so good. Definitely very good. But avocado toast takes the cake. And I've been super into making my own sourdough lately. Sorry, mm. Brooke. It's not gluten-free. <laughs> but it's amazing. So that plus avocado is like... That's it for now. I mean, wow. for probably forever. <laughs> That's all she wrote. Yes, <laughs> Nut butters, get end. out of here. Avocados yeah. only. Well, uh, I think it might be a little bit obvious to the listeners what my choice is. <laughs> yes. I'm literally wearing, I don't know if you I know, I it. saw that. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm literally wearing a peanut butter and jelly shirt. So uh, there goes my answer. Uh, next one, physical books or something like a Kindle? Do you prefer to read an actual paper or something on a screen? Paper. Or yeah. audiobook. We've been like the same. I am 100% smell the pages, like real physical book kind of human. If I can't smell the like dusty parts of the pages, I don't want it. Same. And I like to take notes. Like in certain books, I like to like write in it. Yeah. I'm oh. corny like that. I like <laughs> highlight things. And now I will say because of nursing my daughter at night, I have use my Kindle here and there because it does obviously shine a light that doesn't like wake her up because my book light that I like just attach to my book wakes her up. So I've, I've been known to use the Kindle, but way prefer books. Yeah. yeah. Like physical books. Kind of like context dependent, maybe it sounds like. Yeah. I am, um, when it comes to highlighting books, Brooke, I have to be very careful if I start doing that because I'm like, everything's important. I have to highlight everything. <laughs> That's true. And like every <laughs> single thing ends up being highlighted. So I have to, to tread lightly there, but I'm definitely a, a physical book person as well. Um, final two, do you prefer to be the driver of the car or the rider? In rider. The Rider. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I like want to sleep and nap and like zone out. And my husband doesn't really trust me driving. So <laughs> he, he always that's drives amazing. when we're together. He's like, you're such a bad driver. We have a baby in the back. So uh, that's so funny. I did, to be fair, I did get a speeding ticket with my baby in the car recently. And my husband was <laughs> so disappointed in me. So Hashtag great mom. Yeah. Uh, great mom. Mom of the year. Mom I, I cried to the officer and was like, I'm bringing him to the cardiologist, which was true. And he did not care and just wrote you that He ticket. did write me a ticket, but he did, he did take a lot of money off of it and made the ticket way nicer than he could have. All right. So folks are rider. So yeah, I'm a rider. Is, apparently if we're riding with Brooke, I definitely want to drive. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, mine would probably be dependent on who's in the car because I'm a decent driver, but my husband is better. Don't tell him I said that. He doesn't listen. So it'll be fine. <laughs> I'm going to send him the link of this podcast. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> And the Save time clip. Um, so mostly probably I would say writer as well, unless the person driving is pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I was actually really proud of myself when I came up with that question because That's I was like, a good one. Oh, unique. Like I just love this, but it's a really hard one to answer. I feel like if I'm going on longer, like stints of interstate, I prefer to be driving, but if I'm yeah. like in a stop and go like city environment, I want to be riding because I just don't like being so close to all the cars and you know, the thought of totally. rending someone is just terrifying. So again, depends for me as well. Yeah, so yeah. final one, this is a tricky one. Do you prefer to sleep with socks on or socks off? Off. 
off, 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 off. Um, it, it depends. I have this flannel. Is where our friendship ends. I have flannel <laughs> sheets, so I do usually sleep with socks off because my flannel sheets and my puppy, he sleeps on my feet. He usually oh. keeps me warm enough. But if oh I take gosh. a nap on the couch, I would rather have socks on. Like if I'm okay. napping midday on the couch. Let's be real clear though here. I don't wear socks ever. Like, yeah, she does. Unless I am running. Wait, are you like, wearing, no, no, she's not wearing socks right now. <laughs> people. I don't even wear socks when I ski. All right. Don't even wear it. Yeah. Her, her ski boots probably smell just oh, they raunchy. Smell real gross. And I would never do that in someone else's ski boots, but my own for sure. I like hate socks so bad. So unless I'm running, like going on a run, I don't wear socks. Yeah. yeah. Note so. to self, never <laughs> yes. lend a, list, <laughs> a pair of shoes. That one's, I feel like all of these questions kind of like intuitive eating, there's a lot of nuance. It's like, well, in this situation, I would be this answer, but in this situation, I don't know, my answer could be different. So um, that totally. actually might be a really good segue into what we are here to talk about. So before we dive into some of the questions that I have for both of you on what it's like to create a positive food environment for your household, for your kids, because you're both moms and I am not. So you have a lot of knowledge to shine in the cracks I feel that I don't have, but um, I'd love for you to both just introduce yourself and say who you are, a little bit about what you do, and then maybe share a little bit about how you came together for your podcast. All right. So I'm Alyssa Miller. If you forgot what my voice sounds like, it sounds like this. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a dietitian. I've been a dietitian for six years. Um, started out my career in like the tube feeding arena, um, which was really interesting. I love science and math. It's a ton of math all day. So I really loved it, but have since transitioned out when my daughter was born seven months ago to doing more like private practice um, kind of running my own businesses on the side. And Brooke and I actually worked together and we talked so much at work that I was literally like, I would love a co-host for this podcast. I want to start. Who should I invite? And then I was like, immediately knew yes. that it would be Brooke. <laughs> we can talk for hours. We have very similar stances on stuff. She's actually one that introduced me to intuitive eating. Like, more, like I had kind of heard about it and was kind of interested in it, but she really pushed me to like research it more. So um, I knew that I wanted to start it with her. But yeah, so now we do the Diet Riot podcast, which is has been so fun. And I think um, we've learned so much about ourselves and our own journey. You know, I always like to tell people like, this is a never ending journey. You're never like, check, I'm an intuitive eater over, like game over. No, this is like forever. And I think really Brooke and I have discovered through doing our podcast and our course that we still have work to do ourselves um, and it's ever evolving. And even if you listen to our first few episodes, you can tell that there's still stuff we had to let go of. And that's been really cool. It's a little <laughs> like embarrassing or like, I don't know, shame provoking of like, oh, I should know everything. But then you're like, no, 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 you don't have to be a perfectionist. It's okay to like move forward. So um, the podcast has been really interesting, not only for ourselves, but then also, also our listeners, you know, getting a lot out of it and hearing their feedback has been really incredible. Um, and then I also, like you said, I'm a mom and I love, have always loved feeding children and learning, you know, their feeding cues and what they're, you know, what they need to set up that positive eating environment. And so I actually run um, a separate company on the side as well. Um, it's Mama and Me RD on Instagram, where I share how to feed your kids intuitively to make sure that they kind of preserve that ability since I believe most of us are born as intuitive eaters, um, barring any sort of like clinical <laughs> issues that they may be right. born with. Typically you're born an intuitive eater and really wanted to focus on teaching moms how to preserve that ability in their kids. Um, so I'm super passionate about that on the side as well. So yeah, other than that, I'm a mom and a wife and live in Colorado and love it here. And also a miller. Yeah. Not related. <laughs> Yeah. I say not related, just redundant. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I love that. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm Brooke Miller. I have a son. He is one years old. Um, so we've had kind of a crazy journey. Um, but as a dietitian, I started out at WIC um, and I was the breastfeeding coordinator and I did that for about two years. So I really enjoyed that role and loved teaching classes on breastfeeding. But, um, you know, when you know so much about something, you just assume it's going to be easy for you. And then I had a baby um, who was premature, had a heart defect, has Down syndrome. So he has low muscle tone. The prematurity 
messed with suck, swallow, breathe. And then um, the down syndrome, low muscle tone and the heart defect made him tired. So learning how to breastfeed an infant like that was so incredibly difficult. And it just made me realize like, oh my gosh, even though you may know so much and you learn so much, like it is so different when it's you and dealing with all of these things. So we persevered, we fully pumped for five months, which was so incredibly hard. And then he finally started um, nursing at about five months right after his open heart surgery, but just going through that journey and like really seeing him, seeing him intuitively eat has been really amazing because when you're nursing, they just kind of fall asleep or, or tell you when they're full. And that's been a really cool journey to kind of see him progress in that way. Um, and then I started working for the company that Alyssa and I met at, um, about four and a half years ago. So I've been just doing that full time as well. Really enjoy the tube feeding, um, side of things, even though I didn't think I would want to be clinical. That's not what I wanted to do outside of college. Um, it's been a really good clinical job. There's not a lot of clinical jobs I would want to do. So I'm happy with it right now. Um, but yeah, it's interesting when we started the podcast, we wanted to start the podcast and just essentially debunk diets. That was kind of the plan. Like, let's talk about keto. Let's talk pros and cons and keto. Let's talk intermittent fasting pros and cons. And we still do that. Um, but then it kind of turned into more of an intuitive eating podcast. And that's not really what we necessarily intended for it to be fully about, but we've learned so much and I'm glad that that's the route that we've gone with things. But yeah, it is interesting to listen to past episodes and see just how far we've come on our own journeys. And it's, it's kind of insane to realize how far we've come when we listen back. We're like, Oh man, that's probably not what we would say now, but Hey, yeah. we're human and we're learning too. So it's been a really awesome journey. Yeah, our first episode, I think we said something like dietitians can be really unapproachable, which is very true for a lot of dietitians. You know, they want to kind of feel that buttoned up perfectionism, you know, type A personality is very typical, not in all circumstances, but we were like, we just want to like come in here and be ourselves and let everyone know that like we're still figuring it out too. And we definitely wanted to be like riot against diet culture crap and like debunk all the diets that are out there that everyone you know, believes in so strongly. Um, and it's been a really cool journey and evolution. So yeah, yeah, thanks for having us here. Of course. I think it's so important as well, which is why I love podcasting to be able to really show like your personality and really say, Hey, I'm a human too. And I'm still learning and I'm still evolving because I think that really makes the the message of just eating and nutrition in general way less intimidating, right? I often, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you know, people on podcasts, like they just know all the things and they have everything figured out, which I think kind of can feed into people being unapproachable or kind of feeling like, oh my gosh, like I could never do that, right? But I think it's so important to have, you know, conversations that are open and honest and say, oh my gosh, like look how much I have grown in the past year or two. Like I look at back at some of my first episodes, literally I got a DM. Someone was like, I'm starting from the beginning of your podcast. I was like, no, no, (laughs) start in the middle, (laughs) start in the middle, right? I had no idea what I was saying back then, but I kind of caught myself in that shame spiral. And I was like, wait, you know, that shows that we're all learning, we're all growing and we're all evolving. And, you know, dietitians are humans too, with our own relationships with food. So exactly. I'm, I, I'm finding or I'm hoping that everyone can pull out of both of your answers or stories is that you both preach an intuitive eating message. You're both, you know, learning and growing in that philosophy, but I'd love to kind of dive into what that means for you as moms for you as, you know, families, as someone who is raising a child. Um, Because as you were saying, Alyssa, you know, most of us, the majority of us are born with the ability to intuitively eat. We know when we're hungry, we are able to stop when we're full, we fall asleep, right? In the middle of eating, if we're feeling full. So I'd love to know, um, you as a parent, how do you think, if at all, your own relationship with food can have an impact? impact on your children's relationship with food? Do you think there's a connection there? If so, where is that connection? And I'd love to just kind of get your input on that, both of you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to clarify. So I have a four-year-old and then a seven-month-old. 
So um, kind of have been through the ringer of like toddlerhood eating behaviors, you know, needing that piece at mealtime. Um, I'll definitely let you know how it goes in his teenage years. But for now, we've definitely gone through a lot. Um, I've always been super interested in it. And I absolutely believe that you set the tone at the dinner table. You have the power to instill the positivity around the dinner table. Um, regardless of how you know active your toddler is or kid is or you know whatever at whatever age you have so much influence and so much say and I say this all the time on my other Instagram account is like you can say all the quote-unquote right things about food you know you can you know follow our advice to not label food as good or bad and let them have seconds but if you're modeling a different behavior of being afraid of food or skipping meals or looking at yourself in the mirror and kind of you know pinching your tummy or sucking it in or any of those sorts of things your kids will pick up on it you know there's a reason why we all say monkey see monkey do it's like your kids will absolutely follow in your footsteps that's why when you say a swear word that maybe you shouldn't have said your toddler immediately picks it up and says the exact same thing <laughs> it's they know what's going on way more than we think they do at a very young age and like you said it's so cool to watch especially breastfed babies. I haven't formula fed any babies myself, so I don't know kind of what that looks like as much. But with breastfed babies, when they're full, they are full. And you cannot get your boob in their mouth if they don't want it there. They're literally sure. like, absolutely not. We'll start to cry, push their face away, like everything they can do to not eat anymore. So, and that's kind of like a great reminder that our kids know more than we think they do. And a reminder that what's left on their plate or what their growth charts say or their weight or anything like that is just one indicator of their health. But they really have that innate ability to understand and recognize hunger and fullness in their own body. And if we're not in a place where we recognize that in ourselves, unfortunately, they will pick up on that over time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a lot to say about this yeah. one. Um, so, you know, I don't have a four-year-old yet. So I think that what she's kind of going through is a little different than where I'm at now. Um, so my child's only one. So right now it's just kind of playing with food, trying new flavors. Um, with his feeding therapist, we work on different textures, um, different seasonings, just literally trying to get him exposed to as many things as possible. When we started, he loved butternut squash yesterday can't get him to eat it like he hates it he spits it out and that's okay i'm still offering it and then next time around like i'll try it next week and see what he says but i think at this age it's just important to try to um expose them to as many flavors as possible um and when he's done we're working on sign language of all done so that when he is getting fussy, he can communicate that with me and I can say, okay, we're done. You only ate half your meal, but that's okay. We'll try again tomorrow. Um, whereas like my husband gets in a little bit of a panic mode of, well, he didn't eat the whole thing and he kind of freaks out and is trying to force feed him and then he's crying. And it's just, it, it is hard because you want your kid to gain weight. Um, and initially when he was born, he was underweight. We had to get him to gain X amount for open heart surgery. And so, I really couldn't let him necessarily fully intuitively eat. I was pumping and I had to count the number of ounces I got in him a day and we weren't ever up to our goal. However, he was gaining weight. Um, so the dietitian in the hospital was like, he needs to be at this many ounces a day. And I'm like, that's not happening. Like that's mm -hmm. literally not happening. Um, he's having wet diapers. He's having poopy diapers. I'm trying my best, but like, I can't force feed him anymore. Like he's clearly done. Um, and so that's, that's, that's kind of hard as a parent. I know, at my last job, I did see a lot of kids that were kind of force fed, um, whether it's breast milk or formula, they were bottle fed, um, to a point where the kid would be crying in my office. Like they're so done, but the, the mom wanted, like they need to have eight ounces now. And they would try to like force feed them. It's like, then they would spit up. And so it's like, you do still have to kind of follow those signs and symptoms of your kiddo when he is older. I think, um, he will be picking up on how I'm modeling at this point. He's one, his comprehension is not quite there yet. Um, but it is funny because my husband has been picking up on a lot of things. So living with somebody and 
really being a believer in intuitive eating. He'll even make comments now, like he'll hear people talk at work and he'll kind of call them out. Like he snaps me sometimes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like he's really, you know, noticing things and he'll even, you know, say some smart comments like, well, should we be doing that Brooke? Is that intuitively eating? I ate past my hunger, you know? And so it is funny because I feel like my husband's really like learned so much. And again, I think modeling to our children is so important, but until they hit a certain age, they're not really fully aware of what's going on. But by the time they're four, I mean, they definitely are, they're picking up on what you're saying and what you're doing. And again, I think your actions speak louder than words, but your words are also very important of how we're trying things. Um, and again, just offering lots of different foods and telling them that it's okay. They're not bad. If they don't eat their meal, they're not bad. If they don't try something, um, you just try it again the next time. And I think a big thing with those younger children, you know, under the toddler kind of age where they're not necessarily understanding, you know, if mom's skipping a meal, why that is or something like that, but, um, is keeping calm. So that's a big thing I talk about is like at the dinner table or lunch table or whatever, whenever you're eating a meal all together and your kid isn't eating as much as you think they should be eating, parents have a tendency to stress, you know, get kind of anxious. How about two more bites or just one more bite, please, please, please. Or they run around and as they come up to the table, the mom's like, one more bite, here you go. You know, and they're running after them with food and they create this environment of stress and anxiety. And what ends up happening with those kids when they're under that kind of stress is mealtimes all of a sudden became a very unsafe place. Mm -hmm. So it's not a safe place for them to try something new. It's not a safe place for them to exert their control or their, their, um, voice or their opinion and so then they become either there I find that there's two kinds of kids one that will obey and you know if mom says two more bites I eat two more bites even though I don't want them and they'll start hiding food in their cheeks or spitting it out or um, trying to have all control in other areas of their life or they'll have really indignant throwdowns which is where I was at with my kid I mean that is the type of personality my four-year-old is is to um, you know say no throw food um, on the floor or push their plate away or something. So you create these mealtime battles. So just thinking of if that was a battle for you at the, at the dinner table, how hard it would be to listen to your body um, as an adult, if you're trying a power struggle with someone across the table, <laughs> like it's very exhausting and mentally and physically. So we don't want that in a, in a child's kind of environment when they're eating. So even at those young ages of six, seven months, we want to stay calm. We want to trust our kids and let them know that they're in control of how much they eat and whether or not they eat the, the food that we present. And I think so many times parents are so afraid of the hangry, cranky meltdowns that happen after the fact if they don't eat, right? That's why we're forcing them to eat two or three more bites. A lot of times, yes, maybe their weight, but also we don't want them to have a meltdown when we go to Target later. So we go, well, we'll just get them enough, you know, enough food so they don't feel hungry so that later they don't melt down. Well, the thing is, you're going to deal with meltdowns either way. So on the front end, sorry, you might, disclaimer, yeah, disclaimer <laughs> as a parent, it will happen yes. regardless. Yes. So what my belief is, is like have it on the front end of have those hangry meltdowns, let them experience hunger and fullness and feeling too full, overeating, getting sick, so that they learn that in a safe environment at home when they're young so that for the literal rest of their lives, they have a place to come back to a foundation of knowing what their body needs and how much. If we kind of preserve that, and Brooke and I have talked about this on the podcast, where let's say you can control things for seven years, you know, before they start entering into first grade and going to birthday parties without you. Like if you can't even control that, they still have what, 90 years of their life left to live. Is that, you know, you can only control so much, even if you're the most controlling parent. So why not create an environment where they can learn from themselves and then build off that for the rest of their life? So it will take tantrums and it will take meltdowns and they will get hangry, (laughs) but that's something that you kind of have to endure on the front end. Yeah. I'm over here uh, taking notes. Uh, I did this <laughs> when I had Nicole and Gina on the podcast because they're both moms as well. And for anyone who's listening, go back, I believe two or three episodes from now and find that one. But the whole time I'm sitting here absorbing this stuff for, you know, in the future, if and when I decide to have kids, because it's a lot. Like I totally. can only imagine the steep learning curve that has to come along with now, not only am I working on my own relationship with food, like we were talking about earlier, we're all continuously growing and learning, but now I have 
this other human <laughs> that's, you know, relying on me for food. And I have to model those behaviors and what it's like to have a, a positive relationship with food. And something that I think I'm taking away from what both of you were talking about even before maybe your child is old enough to understand words, it's just the environment that you can create with your demeanor, you know, like not getting too um, hyper about anything or say, here, have this other bite, but having it be this calm, relaxed. I like how you framed it, Alyssa, of just that um, safe environment when it comes mm -hmm. to eating. Because even as an adult now, like if I think about eating in an environment where people are running around like crazy and there's a lot of noise and people are telling you what to do, like even as as an adult, like that makes my anxiety go up. So I can only imagine as a child when I don't know what people are saying, when, you know, there's so much stimulus that that could really make eating something that is challenging and something that I don't want to be engaging in if that is the kind of environment that's portrayed. So I'm kind of wondering, spiraling off of this, you were talking about modeling a calm behavior not getting too hyper about things, but you know, when your children do start to get to an age where they're maybe starting to pick up on some words and they're starting to kind of notice maybe some discrepancies between your behavior and what you're actually saying, um, what are maybe some words or some phrases that people can say or utilize to try to make the environment around food as positive as possible? Like an example that's coming to my mind is like, you know, what if my kids go somewhere and here's the word like bad food or you know what if I as a mom or a caretaker accidentally say that's a bad food and they really start to latch on to that like maybe what are some alternative ways of describing food or really just you know letting them know that food is food food is you know exploratory food is different flavors and textures like you were saying Brooke you know what is something that we can kind of do to stay in that positive lane rather than introducing some of that morality to food yeah, well, and I think there's a difference between um, saying like a food is good or bad flavor wise or good or bad morality wise. So I think that that's something that we need to kind of clarify with our kiddos. So if they, if my son came home and said, mommy, so-and-so said cookies are bad for you. Am I going to get cavities or, you know, am I going to get fat or something like that? I would, I would probably caution with, well, cookies, you know, most of them taste good. What do you think? Do you like the flavor of it? Um, you know, food food isn't necessarily bad or good, um, but we're probably not going to eat cookies all day because we're probably not going to, might get a bellyache. We might kind of crash. Um, but if you want to have a cookie today, let's go have a cookie. You want to make the food available so that it's not off limits, but also kind of give them an understanding of, yeah, it's okay to have cookies, but we also want to eat some other things throughout the day too, so that we feel better and get full and kind of go off that theoretically you could give your kid cookies all day and nothing else and they could just see how they feel and they probably won't do that again <laughs> yeah so I mean you could also uh kind of go that route but you know they're going to hear things at school they're going to hear things from other peers so I think it's just important to have a good role model and consistent uh role model at home um because what they hear at home the most consistently is, is what they're going to start to believe even if outside people are saying or doing different things um again i think the earlier that we understand intuitive eating and set a good example the easier it is for our kids so if you have a kid that's 10 and you're you've been a chronic dieter and now you're getting into the journey it's not impossible to like have your kids unlearn that, but it is going to be a longer process. If you get on the intuitive eating journey when your kids are young or when, before you have kids, I just think that you're going to be in an easier position. It's going to be easier to teach your kids that. Um, but I think it's important just to teach your kids, you know, food isn't good or bad. Um, if you don't like the flavor. So if he came home and said, I tried squash today and I hate squash, I would say, okay, that's how did you have it? Maybe we should try um, cooking it a different way. Maybe we should add butter to it. Maybe we should try it with some seasoning. Let's see if you like it another way. And if you just don't like that food, then that's okay. Um, but sometimes, like growing up, I hated cooked carrots. I hate cooked carrots still, unless it's in soup. I don't like cooked carrots. So, you know, but I'll eat them raw all day. And so I think it's okay if your kid does not like a flavor of food and say, this food tastes bad. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't taste very good that way. Let's try it some other ways prepared. Let's try some seasonings. Let's try some other ways and see if you like it. And you know, again, if you try it 10 ways and they don't like it, that's fine. Then in a few years, maybe you could try that food again, or next time you're out and it's available, have them try it again. But 
And I think to, to go along with that, when someone, when a kid says they don't like that, my son says that all the time. Usually the first time he tries something, he mm-hmm. eats it and he goes, I don't like that. You know, that's immediately his response. Yeah. So, and it's important for what I teach is to give them space to change their mind. Mm-hmm. If you lock it in and say, oh, no, don't put any carrots on his plate. He doesn't like carrots. Now mm-hmm. I have carrots in the head. But you know what I mean. Parents do that. Yes. yes. All the time. Oh, oh you know, he won't eat that. They don't even try. They spit it out and they're like, oh, they don't like it. It's like, they're a baby. They literally have a reflux to put they, they, yeah. push things back out of their mouth. So um, with, you know, toddlers or even older kids, you need to give them that safe, again, safe environment to change their mind. If you put a label on them, you call them picky, or you tell them they don't like carrots, you don't put carrots on their plate, you're not giving them an opportunity to try it again and again, then yeah, you're basically setting them up to not ever like carrots ever again. But, and something that we do in our house is to model that change. So a lot of times for me as a kid, I didn't like sweet potatoes for a long time. Now, to be fair, the first time I had a sweet potato was out of a can. So I think I was, you know, (laughs) exactly. I think it was right that I didn't like them. But now I love sweet potatoes. And sometimes I've talked with my husband across the table in front of our children about how I used to not like sweet potatoes. And I'm so glad I do now. It's a low pressure technique to talk to someone at the table, not directly to your kid about it. Now you can't be obvious. You have to be genuine. It has to come up in conversation naturally, you know, all these things, but it is important to let them know that, Hey, mommy used to not like sweet potatoes. And now I do. They can make those connections themselves of just because I don't like it today doesn't mean I don't like it tomorrow. And I'll even say that to my toddler sometimes when it's just him and I, and he's determined to say that he doesn't like something. I'll say, Oh, that's okay, buddy. You know, you don't have to eat it. And then I say, sometimes mommy doesn't like a food today, but tomorrow I like it. Or last week I liked it or something. So giving them that space and that safety to change their mind is so important. Um, And going back to kind of, you know, labeling foods as good or bad and having other people, peers in their class or other teachers even I've seen, you know, say that certain foods are good for you or bad for you, or you should be eating these foods, you shouldn't be eating those foods. A really good tactic to take as an adult to talk to your kids is be super honest with them, but say something very neutral. Do not shame people for using the words good or bad or healthy or unhealthy, but to make it, hey, this is how we eat in our house. Other people eat differently. Other people have different ways of feeding their kids, but this is how we do it in our house. And explaining to them, depending on their age, that no food is good or bad and it doesn't make you good or bad to be eating those foods or not eating those foods. So giving them again that safety and that environment of, I've heard this, but what does my mom have to say about it? Um, Versus kind of condoning it or allowing that kind of to come into your house and your culture at home. Um, The other thing too that I find that parents do is push the one bite, just try one bite. And I actually just made a post about this. Most kids, that's a pressure technique. You're adding pressure to an environment and whether or not they are able to verbalize to you that they feel pressured, likely they're having internal pressure about that food. So a lot of times you'll see their shoulders slump or they'll look away or they'll stop talking to you or their eye contact has changed. That's all like very obvious signs that they're feeling pressure. So to tell them just to try one bite versus your alternative of just continuing to put it on their plate and following that division of responsibility that we've talked about before of you're in charge of what foods are offered, when they're offered and where you're eating. And your kid is solely in charge of if they eat that food and how much. And parents have a hard time following that, but if that's like very foundational and very easy to follow, simple to follow, not easy, but simple to follow. Um, And having that be a rule in your house is so great because it gives the power to your kid where otherwise they might feel powerless or oppressed or pressured. Um, It kind of puts the ball back in their court. Um, And then the other thing I wanted to say as well is, you know, some things to kind of keep in mind or terms to, or, you know, statements to say to your kids around food is try to use descriptive qualities. So really delve into this is crunchy. This is soft. This is, you know, soggy, this is, you know, those types of foods, it's so good, not only for their verbal development, but also for them to understand and be able to tell you what they like or don't like and why. Because if they don't like sweet potatoes, but they've only had them mashed, then they can explain to you, this is too wet. This is too soggy. Okay, well, now we can try it in a fry form. So you go to like the drier roasted side. So really being descriptive versus using words like good or bad. 
Um, and then basically the other thing that I teach really strongly is instead of using statements of praise around food, like good job, you ate your entire plate. Congratulations. You know, you're part of the clean plate club or whatever. Instead of using statements like that, use statements of just fact. So, oh, you finished your plate, period. Not good, not bad. You finished your plate. Or I have a post about this about an apple. It's like, instead of saying like, way to go, you finished your whole apple or good job. You literally just say, oh, you ate the whole apple, period. You don't have to assign kind of a praise or even a negative to it. You know, some parents will say something like, oh, you didn't even finish your plate or you didn't even touch your green beans. And instead just be like, oh, I see you didn't eat your green beans. And you don't have to make it a positive or a negative. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. I'm over here like nodding my head. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> wow. It's so fascinating, like these little tweaks in like the tone of your voice or totally. the word that you're using. Or I love the tip too about just using descriptors of this is crunchy, this is soft, this is sweet, this is salty, because really something that I'm getting from both of your answers is you really just want to offer as much autonomy as possible right now, knowing that you're still going to be the one that brings the food into the house and puts the food on the plate but offering the autonomy to know, do I like that? <laughs> Am I right now? Do I still want more? And kind of giving them the space that they need to be able to make those decisions to change their mind. And I even love the idea too of modeling like a conversation. Oh my gosh, like remember when I didn't like to, to love sweet potatoes and now I do, just kind of showing them that the relationship with food can be fluid, can change, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be something that's rooted in, I have to feel shame because I didn't do X, Y, and Z, or I'm bad because I didn't do enough of this over here. But again, just kind of making that environment as neutral and as safe and, and as uplifting as possible. So I typically like to ask like a, like a takeaway item, like what's one thing that we can do, but I'm honestly feeling everything that both of you shared. It was like, I'm going to take that and put it into my life and I'm going <laughs> to take that and put it into my life. So I'm really feel, feeling that there has been a lot of tactical takeaway stuff so far. So what I'd love to do is we kind of move towards the, the end of our conversation. I know both of you have some exciting things on the horizon, some things that are going to be coming out soon, as well as your podcast that comes out every week. So can you take a couple of moments to share where people can find you and about some of those exciting opportunities that you have for people to get involved and learn more about you? Yeah. So we have a podcast. It's called Diet Riot and you can find it on like all major platforms. And then you can also follow us on Instagram at diet.riot.podcast. We have an email address, hello at diet dot riot dot podcast no 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 hello <laughs> dang it okay it's hello at diet riot podcast.com guys i haven't had enough coffee today um also i don't really check the emails so That's true. <laughs> um so but you can send us any emails or um, direct messages if you have any specific podcast topics so we've had a few people reach out and say can you cover this and then we do so we do love to hear suggestions about what our listeners want to talk about. And again, we do debunk, not debunk, but we do talk about pros and cons of different diets. So if somebody is really concerned and they want to do keto, we can, you know, do a whole episode talking about the science behind it. Um, and then we do have a lot of guests as well. So um, it's been, yeah, it's been a cool podcast journey. Just yeah, because come out every Tuesday. Yep, every Tuesday. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, something really exciting is we actually just launched our course. Woo! So we have a course online. It's actually on Teachable. It's called Quit Dieting, A Diet Rioter's Guide to Intuitive Eating. And you can find that, um, hopefully, I, I'll try to send you the link, Claire, too, so you can maybe put it in the description totally. box. But also it's at dietrietpodcast.teachable.com. So you can find it there. Um, and that's super exciting for us. So it's been really cool to see the feedback come back from that. It's an audio course. So we've got audio um, recordings and then like some homework and journal prompts and things that kind of walk you through the tactical, tactical everyday, um, tangible ways to change your life and become an intuitive ear. So that's pretty awesome. I yeah. And then, and then once we get this course launched, we'll eventually, you know, dig into some other courses like gentle nutrition feeding toddlers, more of like the mom, mom and kiddo game. Um, I'm hoping to do one on special needs and feeding kids with special needs. So we got some stuff. We got some stuff in the works. <laughs> you guys have been busy. 
Yeah. Yeah. And with babies, it's kind of crazy. Moms, busy with babies, busy being Millers, busy living in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think too, something that I'm hoping people are remembering as you're sharing there about your course, you know, you were both talking a couple of moments ago, how important it is to do the work on yourself and learn what intuitive eating looks like for your life personally, so that you can kind of have that ripple effect on your kids and your family. So I'm really hopeful that anyone who's listening and they're like, but wait, how do I do this for me first, right? Of course, keep listening to the podcast, but check out your course as well, because I'm sure it is wonderful. So um, the final very brief question that I have for both of you, it's kind of not along the theme of what we have been talking about so far, but um, something that I really like to promote here on the podcast and in all of my content in general is how we can live a little bit more kindly and compassionately with ourselves. So I'd love to know for each of you, what is maybe a daily practice, a habit, or something that you do to just give yourself a little bit of space and show yourself some self-compassion rather than beating yourself up for maybe all the things that didn't get done or didn't go your way. What is maybe that kind of touchstone practice that each of you have? Well, I think just eliminating um, negative self-talk first and foremost is helpful. Like I, I'm not the type of person to look in the mirror and say, oh gosh, if I was skinnier, this would just look better. Or um, oh, I wish I was as skinny as her. I just, I've completely stopped talking to myself out loud like that. But also um, I think engaging in things that make you feel good about yourself is so important. So I went to yoga last night and the night before, and for me, just the yoga and meditation, it just brings um, so much awareness and um, happiness in my life. And it also makes me feel so grateful. Like I can walk, I have two like legs that work and I can stretch and I can do these things. And not everybody is able to do that. Some people are in a wheelchair and just kind of reminding yourself of those gratitudes of I'm just so thankful that I can do this. So I think finding something that you really enjoy and gives you some, you know, good, something that's good for your mental health is so important. And again, just stopping any negative self-talk and having somebody keep you accountable for that. You know, maybe it's your spouse or your best friend, but Hey, if I engage in any negative self-talk, like, please, please, please stop me or remind me that I'm doing it so that I can be aware of it. Um, and then just, I think giving yourself time alone and time, um, whether that's getting a massage, whether that's taking a bath, going to yoga, just finding time for yourself to unwind is so important, especially as moms. We don't get a lot of time by ourselves. Yeah. And um, for me, the intuitive eating has opened up such a great, you know, I say this a lot, but it, it goes into all, every nook and cranny of your life, right? Like we start with this food freedom journey, but it really does make you a more intuitive person with your body and your emotions as a whole, it's created so much growth in me in other arenas. So not just food, but then, you know, exercise or movement. And then what, what will feel good to me right now? And it's not even food related always. It's, oh, what would feel good to me right now? It would feel really good to write down a few things I'm grateful for. It would feel really good to sit on the floor and play with my son. It's like really funny. I'm a stay-at-home mom now um, or work-from-home mom, do all the things. But there are so many days that go by so fast because I'm making breakfast and lunch and dinner and cleaning up all those dishes and cleaning up the house in general and getting laundry done and now making sourdough bread, all these things that I, you know, have skipped time of like, I'm going to sit down and engage with my son one-on-one -on -one while my daughter's napping and play for 10 minutes or something like that. So every, what I do is when I'm drinking my coffee in the morning, my son is usually playing on his own. I'm about to get breakfast ready. And I take a few sips of hot coffee, which is a valued commodity as a mom. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Before your coffee turns cold. And I literally will think to myself in that moment, what is one thing? And I keep the bar super low. What is one thing that will bring me joy today? Just one. Really low. This is not a to-do list because I do have my to-do list as a type A dietitian. But this is a one thing that I can do today that will bring me the most joy. So sometimes that's going on a walk. A lot of times it's going to a place where I can see a lake or water of some kind. Those are my favorite things to find in the natural elements. Um, sometimes it is getting down on the floor and playing with my son and feeling engaged or, you know, checking something off my to-do list that has been bugging me. You know, whatever will bring me the most joy that day. I set that intention and then the bar is really low and I can't stress that enough. One thing a day. And then if I can do more, great. 
but all I need to go to bed and rest my head and fill and feel good about my day is just one thing that brought me joy. So it changes daily for sure. I love that. Both of those are very accessible. I feel like it's like the one thing, you know, what can I focus on that my body did for me today? Just something yeah. that is uh, relatively simple. We won't say it's easy to rival <laughs> and doesn't take up too much time because I know, especially as moms, you have a lot on your plate already. So I want to thank you both for being here with me today for being the second pair of mom guests. I'm going to have to find me some more mom guests. You always, yeah. <laughs> these moms are killing it. Um, but thank you again so much for being here. I'm really hopeful that all of my listeners have a lot to take away from this message, whether they're currently moms, planning to be moms, maybe thinking one day in the future that they want to be a mom. Um, I really think that you offered some tactical tips and items for anyone. So podcast, if you love the episode, be sure to like, love, and share. Check out Brooke and Alyssa on their podcast as well. Be sure to check out their course. And until next week, yours, Julie, Claire, Brooke, and Alyssa. Thank you yet again for tuning into this episode of the Yours Truly podcast. I am so grateful that you have spent 59 minutes of your day with us here on the Yours Truly podcast. So as always, like I just mentioned, if you are loving the information from this episode, any other episode of the podcast, please do not hesitate to pause for a moment. I know if you're sheltering in place, staying at home, you might have some more time on your hands. So if that is the case, please do not hesitate to leave us a five-star rating and a review. This is really the best way to help pay it forward, to help the show grow, and to help more individuals who can benefit from the food freedom, non-diet messages that we share here on the podcast. It can really help those individuals find it. So Take a minute, whatever time you have, help us out. And then we will be back next Wednesday for another episode here on the podcast. But until then, keep your hands washed. I hope you stay safe, happy, and healthy. And we'll talk soon.